Welcome to Different from the Other Kids, a weekly talk show for parents with challenging children, with host Angela Sunis, a parent whose teen was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Each episode, Angela will have a discussion with an individual or professional within the mental health community. Different from the Other Kids, Season 1, a production of Marketing Maven. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Different from the Other Kids. Wanted to welcome Lynn today. Lynn was once in the highly competitive and high-pressure world of academia. She now lives her life near the water in southern Ontario, volunteering in her community for many festivals and celebrations. She's very involved volunteering with the library programs and as of this year is now responsible for their public garden project. Lynn is an excellent example of how people who struggle with mental illness can still contribute to our community in so many great ways. Okay, thanks okay. Angie. Okay, so what is it, tell me about your volunteer activities now and what it is that your life looks like generally. Basically what I try to do is stay busy every day. There were periods of time in a depression or um, extreme agitation when I wasn't able to do anything. I wasn't able to walk through hallways, out the front door, be able to communicate at all, um, very socially frightened. And when I did emerge from that period, I've been pushing myself to go further and further into the kind of uh, community participation that I used to have when I was working full-time in a in a a corporate or, you know, um, charitable organization community. I guess the thing that I wanted to mention to individuals that are looking at bipolar or parents of bipolar children is that life takes a lot of unexpected turns and um, a diagnosis of bipolar is those frustrating things that can kind of devastate an individual and their immediate family and friends. Nonetheless, it's, it's a process of understanding that certain chemical things are, are working differently in your body. Certain perceptions and understandings you have about the community around you need to go through uh, a recalibration or adjustment. I found myself that the work life I had, pace of life that I had in the corporate environment and academic environment was far too challenging for me and necessitated me uh, fighting for my sense of self and my sense of self-worth many times, that became too difficult for me to do once I became ill. The medication that I was prescribed and the ongoing uh, relationship I have with my physicians have allowed me to maintain a better balance in my life. But perhaps the biggest thing was the recognition that I have to let go of concerns and thoughts that percolate and stalk me. Everybody has worries, everybody has hopes and dreams for the future, but when those things begin to drive my day-to-day -day life beyond my capacity to cope, I have to let them go. And the medication that I was prescribed and and am on almost forces me to let go. I'm not able to retain the kind of ambitious plans that I used to entertain when I was working all the time. When you're in a, a collective environment of 
great thinkers and great achievers, you often want to keep pace with them and set up goals for yourself that um, may or may not be achievable. But they're not, they're not things that I can strive for on a day-to-day -day basis um, and live happily. So I have settled for a happier life. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. So, so what does that entail for you? Basically, what I do is I have to push myself um, beyond the parameters of, of what I would like to do on a day-to-day -day basis. And that means that um, I have to stay involved in the community. I, I choose to do and always have done a lot of volunteer work uh, that keeps me active and socially communicative with a variety of people from um, high achievers and very wealthy people to individuals that are struggling on Ontario Works or under the Ontario Disability Support Program. I volunteer in a food bank, I volunteer at the library, I work on community festivals, I help friends when they're going through struggles with their own mental and physical challenges, and I walk a lot of well, not a lot. I walk a few dogs in my community and that's been very helpful for me because it keeps me physically active and it keeps me aligned with, um, I guess, an instinctive awareness of the enjoyment of life instead of the, 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 the mental, you know, calibrations of whether we should, whether we should evaluate success on an, on an economic scale or, or on an, a, a, an accomplishment scale or on a, a material scale. That's awesome. So out of the things that you do now, volunteer-wise, um, or not, uh, what is it that's most rewarding and how come? I guess all of them are rewarding in different ways. I really enjoy going to the, the food bank and community center. It's a chance to interact with people there that um, are friendly and social, and it feels, it feels like home. There's ways to contribute and appreciate my contribution and their contribution at the same time. The library, again, is another environment that I find is, it's not ostensibly a social environment, but it's a, an environment that's open to the public. And we're surrounded by books and magazines and DVDs and music that, and children that are coming in and exploring, learning for the first time. It's an exciting environment. I enjoy it. And yeah, you strike me as somebody that's actually an academic at heart. Yeah. Yeah, I I I like learning from the time I was a little kid. I was I was a great reader. And my mother is and my father was a very very wise and successful marketing guy. So, yeah, I I don't think I'm academic in the sense Not of wanting to study everything, but academic in the sense of, yeah, let's look at this and and evaluate it and analyze it. I don't I don't want to always just be a reactive. So when you say it's important to stay uh, grounded in your community, I'm using the word grounded, but I guess that's what I wanted to ask you is, is that a grounding feeling for you to be involved in your community services? It gives me a sense of self-worth and it gives me, I guess, what I, what I hope to accomplish in terms of after my work experience with the university, I was very interested in experiential learning and how a world that's um, so torn economically between those that have and those that have not and those that come from different countries, how they can learn to live together. And I, 
I guess the the kind of you know lifestyle I have now allows me to talk and be friends with people that have very little um, and have handicaps or physical mental disabilities as well as individuals that have accomplished a lot worked very hard for it and have a lot of material things um, when I was working at the university I was told because people would be following me around <laughs> I would meet on the street and be talking to and they'd be coming from all walks of life and I was told very emphatically, I was not allowed. And what were they talking to you about? They were talking about all kinds of things, you know? <laughs> you're, just that, you're just that guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'd see people on the street holding up signs that were mocking the the community because nobody would see them. And I would see them and, and, mm -hmm. and nod and smile at them, and they would nod and smile at me because nobody would read their sign. There's uh, something for sure that I will say is anybody that has been through any of the stuff that you have been through, anything that my daughter has been through, it makes you a lot more highly tuned to people and a lot more empathetic. Would you agree with that? Yeah, sometimes too much so. I mean, that's yes. often what happens with individuals that have, um, that have a, a, you know, a, a mental health issue is that they get so close to the edge, they, they fall. <laughs> mm -hmm. And they don't know how to get back. You, that, that's your hope, is that you get back. My yoga teacher told me that she didn't know how to help me at certain points because she couldn't go that far and lift me up. That's what you always have to be cautious of. You can Your eyes can be open to many, many things. You can see far beyond the parameters of what most people can see, but you have to be really cautious about how far out there you can go because if the branch is breaking on the tree, you know, it's a long fall. There was one circumstance when I was... I was doing yoga and I was working at the university and there was a woman that was on Bloor Street and uh, she'd be there every day outside the church where we did yoga and she had her collection of things around her and my yoga teacher said to me, and my yoga teacher was 70, mind you, like this wasn't, you know, like a young, good-looking, you know, life, agile woman. This was a woman that took up yoga at 40 and was one of the best teachers out there at 70. And she said, go over and talk to this woman. I said, I, you know, I don't want to do that. And she said, well, ask her, you know, ask her what she does. Ask her when she goes to the bathroom. Ask her how she manages her life. And so I did at the same time as two Christian scientists were trying to convert her to. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she talked to me not very much, but she remembered me. And it must have been at least a year later. I had left the university under unpleasant circumstances where they told me I sounded like white noise and weren't going to allow me to talk to other people. Oh, dear. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> That's kind. Jeez, that's terrible. Yeah, it was. It was awful. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, anyway, I had walked along Bloor Street and she approached me and asked me if I would come and look after her things while she went to go to the bathroom. And I said, oh, you know what? I talked to you a long time ago. I used to do yoga at the church here and stuff. And she goes, well, I need, I need someone that can look after all of my belongings. And, and she went to the washroom. While I was sitting there with all her things, I thought, God help me if one of the professors <laughs> out here <laughs> with the cardboard boxes <laughs> and bundle buggies. I know what happened to her. 
Oh, dear. So i got to ask you, I know uh, for my daughter, I know I'm, I can be very sensitive to people's energies. My daughter is so much more so, and she reads people, as the expression goes, like nobody's business. I would assume that you do the same, only more. I know for my daughter, when she walks into a social environment, uh, depending on how highly strung she is that day or how perceptive she's feeling that day, she will avoid people's eye contact. Have you ever had that? Yes. Yeah. How, how do you protect yourself? There were periods of time when I was at a really heightened awareness and I couldn't walk through crowds. Um, I would pick up too much energy. I used to be very afraid at times. And whether this is a, whether this is a reality, you know, that, um, that holds weight or not, it was my perception of reality. It, it does. I was afraid of touching people for mm-hmm. fear that I, my energy would influence them. Um, oh, not the other way around, though. Yeah, not so much the I'm other sorry, way. I was, I was afraid just, of hurting sorry, people. If you can't hear it. Really? Yeah. Okay, so I would have thought, in my particular circumstance, I'm always worried to pick up somebody else's uh, feelings of, because I feel like I can read people too much, and mm-hmm. I feel too much. Mm-hmm. My daughter is the mm-hmm. same, but you were the opposite. Mm-hmm. Tell me, th- say that again. Well, I mean, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. That sometimes I can absorb too much of people's pain, um, mm-hmm. either a psychic pain, emotional pain, physical pain. In the in the process of you know sympathetic communication, you tend to mimic or copy what the other person is feeling. So you'll start to feel it in your own body, and that happens to me often. But there were times when I was really um, really sensitive, and I felt I was holding too much. You okay. know, in like a depression that I was afraid that that would, you know, unduly influence or harm somebody else and you know the situation you talked about where you try to avoid eye contact and this is what autistic children feel okay they, um, they avoid eye contact because they're afraid of of going in too deep i could look at people's eyes and feel like i had gone got swallowed that i had just fallen right into them and i was so sensitively linked to them that it was um it was changing my awareness of my environment, like chalk on a chalkboard. You know, you cringe and you, you think, what, um, how am I going to manage this? So, yeah, there were times that that happened. I've had a lot of, you know, experiences along the years that, um, that are, are really, really frightening, really sad, very exciting, you know, very enlightening but I don't think about them. I mean, thinking about them, holding on to them is, is another means of saying, yes, I, I, you know, belong on this path and I have to assert myself and push myself along that path. No, it's like God chooses to reveal things at certain times. That doesn't mean he wants to make us all a witness every day. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that we all are going to become, you know, perfect people or that we're all going to become uh, nuclear scientists or brain surgeons or whatever. I mean, we all every day have insights and and um, moments that that are great. You know, part of part of who I am and what I've learned to accept is that I can't predict what's going to happen every day. I mean, I have to balance myself. There's times I feel that I'm um, I'm being pressured. I'm careful about how close I get with people, how involved I get. You know, uh, I think parents of children that are in that situation carry an extra, an extra measure of um, worry because they, they have a reason to be afraid that their, their child will not be able to set boundaries that are protective enough. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I wanted to ask you about is I know 
things have been written about um, people with a diagnosis of bipolar or some other mental illness have been taken advantage of because the boundaries are not clearly set in their heads. Can you speak to that a little bit for me? Yeah, I think that can happen very readily. Uh, You just trust. Is that what it is? I don't know if it's just trusting. I mean, it's not... It's not just that. I think I think it's very hard for people that are on a mission, which is, I think, what sometimes happens when you're on a manic kick. I think it's very hard for them to ex- to describe to others what that means and where that's trying, where they're trying to get to. So they run the risk of meeting the wrong people or choosing the wrong friends. They they run the risk of of you know criminal problems. They run the risk of of getting into a a hospital and um, having having doctors there that that aren't listening to them or aren't um, taking it seriously or taking it too seriously and forcing them into a situation where they feel entrapped. It's a it's a fine line between giving you enough room to say, okay, I I accept that you know you're going through um, something really intense. It's 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 a visualization or it's a it's an idea that you have that you need to explore, but you have to stay within this reality, this framework of reality. So I would say too uh, that one of the things that are that's really important is first of all to to determine whether there's a physical health issue, whether it's a thyroid imbalance, whether it's a hormonal imbalance, whether there's a you know some physical issue that's that's compounding a problem and you know it may or may not be a manic depressive issue and also look at an emotional and a communication situation whether the tonality and the and the the language is you know is a reactive aggressive behavioral problem but whether it's it's a it's a real misunderstanding of where reality is because everybody's understanding of reality differs. It doesn't mean that somebody's gone psychotic when they start talking about things that are outside the realm of our understanding. And particularly today with the technology that's out there and people's exploration of it, it's it's really hard to find our, our true home, our true self. You know, people are talking into cell phones all the time. They're talking and using communication technology computers that, that means we don't, we don't look at people face-to-face anymore to talk. We don't sit down in meetings a lot of times. And so it's very easy for misunderstandings to take place. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's very easy for kids to get so pushed along on their idea of what what um, is going on that they, they start to lose their borders. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I had a conversation at a dinner party one night, and it was I remember very clearly asking you what it was that you thought may have been happening with today's youth with the increase of diagnoses of mental illness generally. That's basically, that was a lot of your answer, was based on electronics and the waves going on in a brain that would interfere with our brains. Do you, can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Because that was a really interesting conversation we had. Yeah, I think the mixed cultures, I think the way the cultures have... have um, you know, integrated in schools and uh, people are exposed to, you know, it's not like reading the newspaper more anymore and hearing about things that are happening in in um, third world countries or in, in um, war ravaged countries. I mean, those are, they're kids in their own schools, kids in their, 
in their cliques, in their, you know, in their network that come from those countries, and they can talk from real life experience about what it's like. Mm -hmm. So every kid is being traumatized to some extent mm -hmm. by their, you know, um, understanding of what it's like to go through, you know, poverty and war and and uh, lack of jobs and stuff. And similarly, they're they're being pushed to accept a never-ending, you know, upgrading of computer technology and, and telecommunications and information technology that means whatever they got right today is going to be superseded tomorrow. So it's, it's not enough to perfect it. It's not enough to understand it all. You've got to be faster. So there is no balance or there is no... That's why there is no grounding. We've lost grounding. Yeah, I think we've, well, we've lost, well, we've moved away from the agricultural community where mm -hmm. people sat around a farm table and stuff and had a meal to the nuclear family where there was a small family and we all kind of sat around the table and had a meal to, you know, this, um, this telecommunications family, right? Where, you know, people are all in different stages and they can stay in touch, you know, with their, with their phone lines and computer lines, computer lines and travel and the grounding has to take place in in ethics and morals and doesn't always it has to be faith whether it's it's religion or something else but faith that family will survive that family means something that friends mean something that that your own sense of self means something that you know you can walk this earth and um believe in yourself and you know, whatever, you know, happens to you in terms of saying, okay, you've, you've injured yourself here or you have, you know, uh, um, an illness here, you're, you're going to get through it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, Cheryl, always fascinating, interesting having a conversation with you. Honestly, always. Never disappoints. Thank you all for listening. And please review our podcast on iTunes. This helps us spread our message and reach all those who need support. Don't forget to follow Different From The Other Kids on Facebook and Twitter. Check out the book on Amazon, and we'll see you next week. And now, a disclaimer. In general, I, Angela Sunis, am not a doctor, and I certainly don't play one on the internet. I am not even that well-educated. I'm a parent, period. The advice from me presented on Different From The Other Kids does not replace advice received directly from a medical health professional. If you think you need help, I do recommend making an appointment with your physician or other appropriate health care provider. Thanks for listening to Different from the Other Kids, made possible with the support of Raven 5. We are Contest Marketing. You can find them online at www.raven5.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Different from the other kids. Season 1, a production of Marketing Maven.